Howdy folks, this is Hedgepod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack, my pronouns are they and them. I'm also okay with he and him. I'm Nova, my pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena, my pronouns are she, they. And what we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy, which is the domination of a culturally diverse society by the ruling class, which manipulates the culture of that society, its beliefs, perceptions, and values. The method by which the ruling class worldview is imposed on the society then becomes the accepted cultural norm. So I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to you about the topic that we're going to get into but first i wanted to mention that we have been on the not really the receiving end but the kind of the short end of the engagement stick as far as it goes with the uh, algorithm the almighty algorithm as you know so i just want to take this moment to make a call to action to our listeners to like comment and subscribe as much as i never thought i would hear myself say those words in Basically, succession that, if you enjoy it and you think other people would enjoy it too it'd be great yeah and the reason for that is the way that this whole engagement thing works it, it's very gamified and it's very automated and it's all done by engagements so if you whatever platform you listen to it on if you can do the heart thing if you can leave a comment and every platform is different so whether you listen to it on google or spotify or apple or anchor or wherever it comes from just like do something with it share it like it it would help us a lot and it would help get our visibility up just like on searches and stuff there's still so many people that we talk to that are right around this type of content and somehow have still not like bumped into this and that's i mean probably a failure on our marketing part but also it's kind of like we just we just don't lean into the calls to action that much and it's uh, our our marketing budget is zero because that is all of our budgets is zero. It's, it's me on twitter that's the marketing yeah. budget exactly. and i'm t- exactly. i'm doing so, my best as much as it feels weird and spammy to be like like comment subscribe especially at the head into the content it's like we have to do it. It would be silly for us not to. So we really appreciate all that and appreciate your continued listening and all the feedback that you've provided and hanging out with us on Discord, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We've had some really good feedback lately. Yes. So yes, indeed. All right. Next order of business. Let's let's talk for a second about what we're doing in this show. This show that we're going to be watching today is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Before we get started, I wanted to get real with y'all for a second because this show covers some like really intense, really intense content, and it the show makes light of it. And I just wanted to take a moment to say that I like this show, and I have my reasons for that. Whatever I know that it's problematic, but I I don't want to anyone in our audience to think that I'm approaching these topics with flippancy or taking them lightly there are some extreme content warnings we're going to need to talk about sexual assault 
there's racist issues, there's issues with Islamophobia, with violence, there's, I mean, it just it basically, it runs the whole gamut that we're going to get into today, and I know that's kind of a cop-out, but just be aware of that before you get going, and I just want to let you know that where we're going from here is, it might be a dark place for some, so either attune your ears accordingly or avert them if this is something that's going to be too much of a, of a problem to, to get into, so... We'll never know, so you won't hurt our feelings. <laughs> that's that's true. Unless you mm-hmm. leave a comment telling us about how terrible we are for doing this show, which is all it's also welcome. Please if you if you hate it, then let us know about it. <laughs> the algorithm wants to nom nom up all those engagements. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Always Sunny in Philadelphia. This episode that we're watching is from a later season and I actually did not record what season it's from uh or i think it's from season 15 i believe it's i think it's less than that i think it's season eight episode two um i'm pretty sure yes. it's season eight episode yeah. two season eight episode two the gang recycles their trash so i want to bring everybody up to speed on this one too i've been I feel like i'm bloviating for five minutes here but <laughs> i've watched this show a lot of times over and over and this one is essentially a rehash of an old episode called The Gang Solves the Gas Crisis, in which they <laughs> they drove around the uh, city selling gas that they bought in a... They pumped gas into 55-gallon or trash ba- trash barrels. Cans. Trash cans. Yeah, just cans. trash cans, not even barrels. <laughs> they were just trash cans. They put them in the back of the van, and they tried to sell it door-to-door. And it's a very popular episode. It's one of the top. So the one that we're covering, though, is The Gang Recycles Their Trash, which is basically them doing the same thing. The whole thing is them, the whole point of the whole recycling their trash. They're yeah. reusing the same gags. They're reusing yeah. the same plot. And this actually, uh, this was almost, it was a clips show without the clips. It was a, like mm-hmm. a callback mm-hmm. show because the obvious one is the gang solves the gas crisis. But apparently there are a ton of other ones that get referenced in this episode. Yeah. Like there's yeah. lots of Easter eggs for someone who's like watched the entire series all the way through up to this point. Which I had, and I, you know, I bought the Easter eggs hook, line, line, and sinker, and they actually did a clip show too. Like it was mm-hmm. called like the gang does a clip show or something like that <laughs> at one point, and it was pretty good. But yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Always Sunny Philadelphia, it's the show. The showrunners are Rob McElhenney, Charlie Day, Glenn Howerton, and they kind of started as like an indie thing, right? Like they did this thing and it was just like the very first episode was called the gang gets racist. And it was more of like a shock comedy type of thing where they're whatever. They, they, they actually said the N word in the very first episode. It was just like a, just trying to blow the doors off of it and, you know, make everyone upset, which, you know, succeeded in some ways, but the show in it's the comedy in the show, in in my opinion, and not everyone's, but in my opinion, is actually funny. And I think that's been the saving grace of the whole thing and the reason that they, the door hasn't been slammed completely shut on them. I, I don't really know personally, and Athena, I want you to chime in on this if you feel empowered to. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of people that just don't like this show. Like, outright. That would be me. <laughs> but that, that I know that you me. don't. <laughs> so... I, I that's why I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait. <laughs> well, let's. Well, well, I I mean, if you if you'd like, I'd like to get to go straight into it, okay. like from the whole the show overarching, like, you know what what it, why is it that I find it, the show in general before we get into the to the beats, 
why is it that I find the show so funny and you don't, I guess? <laughs> like, is that a fair question? I Probably. Yeah. First of all, there's just also just the immediate reaction. This show, just as soon as I get into it, it gives me the same feelings as, as South Park and Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Like, now I'm not saying that's what it is, mm. but when I first watch it, that is like the first thing that comes at me. And I have to mention that, like, I hate those two shows. Mm. Like, I, I cannot put into emphasis how much I don't like them. Like, it's one of those things where I am repelled. Like, they literally, those two shows disgust me. Mm. They're to the point where I didn't watch many, many shows for many, many years. Granted, I don't think I would have gotten them as much either, but, like, King of the Hill, Bob's Burger, because they were, like, quote-unquote, adult animated. Mm. So I didn't watch those genres for years because it made me think of those shows, which was that repel. I got you. This show does the same thing in tone Mm -hmm. and the way that it acts. Uh, It's very fast. It's very in your face. It's very aggressive, honestly. And my first gut reaction is to hiss and hide under my desk. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I got you. Well, you know, that's fair. And I think that it's like, you know, I, I, I don't have that reaction, but I also was not, I mean, you know, we went over this when we watched Family Guy. We went over this when we watched South Park. Like, a lot of this stuff is just boundary pushing for the sake of boundary pushing, right? And Right, and and that's another thing is I don't have, like, I don't care for shock humor. Yeah. I don't, we can go into the ethicalness of shock humor, because... Uh, you know, I'm I'm never gonna say like a complete area should com- like you should never do this because that's not how art works. Right. But there is a responsibility to be had, and sometimes I feel like we don't we're not as careful as we should be with a lot of things. But on top of all of that, you know, Nova mentioned in you know his notes yeah. about how this is like it's supposed to be cathartic because they're bad people. But here's the thing. I don't care, like, about these particular... There are people in this world who are bad people who I want to see bad things happen to them. There are... Every billionaire, I would love for them to experience a fraction of the pain they cause other people. Mm. That would... mm, And I, I love me a good ending where the the villain gets the comeuppance and the leopards eat their face, right? Like, I... Love that shit. However, these are just random assholes that you just run in on the street. And I don't right. care. I just yeah. don't care. Like, the, I went to school with some of these assholes. Yeah, and I have the same reaction as I did then, which is I just want to get away from them as much as possible. In fact, not only do I want to get away from them, I want them to get help. Yeah. I want us all to better ourselves, and it just makes me tired. Yeah, I, so I think that tiresome is like a pretty good way to sum it up, really. Like, because I've even experienced that too in between the the bouts of, I guess. So to counterpoint that, I think that my thing with it is that the absurdity of the fact that they they do they do never seem to improve at all, even <laughs> with so many opportunities to make obvious small gradual change, they never take it. They never. No, nobody in the gang ever takes the opportunity to try and better themselves in any way. In fact, they almost always choose the opposite, which makes them worse. And it's like a further spiral into depravity as the as the series 
continues. Yeah. So I think with that kind of context, we can get into a little bit of like what the show is about and how we got to this point. So the gang, as they refer to themselves and as the title cards often are refer, is composed of Charlie, Mac, Dennis, and D. And, and then Frank, who's played by Danny DeVito. Dennis and Dee are brother and sister. Frank is like their adopted father. Well, so this is going to be spoilers for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We're in season eight. We do spoilers here. Y'all know this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you here yeah, if you right. don't want spoilers? Yeah. Dennis and Mac are like co-owners of this bar, Patty's Pub, in Philadelphia. And they are constantly seeking some sort of get-rich scheme or just a scheme in general. It, it could be vengeance for somebody it's most often a get rich quick scheme which is you know i'm sure we can talk about the the whole hegemony of how you have to scrape and grind set and all this other crap just to be able to have a basic standard of living but so much of the schemes that they get into have to do with personal vendettas they have to do with shoving something in somebody's face and this is all there's the the showrunners are self-aware of this i would argue they i've listened to a lot of their podcasts and some of their material that they've done outside this. Rob McElhinney, the show's creator, is very aware that the characters are not people to be emulated and they're very much like the jerk-ass archetype. We made the comparison earlier when we were talking that Always Sunny is like South Park if everybody is Cartman. <laughs> like, there is, no, there is no morally superior character in the gang except for the fact that they all think that they are morally superior to each other, which I find kind of hilarious. We also um, talked about it last week in the Seinfeld episode. Exactly, and that's what led us here. Seinfeld, Always Sunny is like Seinfeld on mega steroids and, you know, all all kinds of other stuff. I, I will say it seems like it's trying to be more self-aware than Seinfeld, and I will give it that credit. For sure, for sure. I think I think that's... I mean, it would have to be, right? Because if it wasn't, it would be... No, I don't think anybody would watch it. Because, like, they say stuff that's so preposterous, it's like, okay, this has to be a joke, and that's your signal. But if you don't get the signal <laughs> then it's like uh-oh <laughs> what about what are we watching but even still then you can still get the signal and it's just like not funny you know so and i think that happens a lot so we've got the title card the showrunners indicating they're making an episode based on a previous episode they, it's called the gang recycles their trash they're talking about they they made the same rape joke in the in the first uh, in the gang solves the gas crisis, where they're talking about getting blasted in the ass, they're getting plowed in the ass, or whatever, by the politicians. That's the gag. They repeat it over and over again. And uh, a little insight on that: Rob McElhenney's character Mac is—he uh, eventually comes out as gay, and up to that point, he's like this hyper toxic masculine person that like always has to prove that he is. You know, it's a—it's an archetypal thing. Like I'm not. No, I'm not into dudes at all, except for. He is so boisterously, obviously, into dudes that he, it's, the the joke is that, you know, whatever, he's trying to cover it up so hard. So, every time that he makes a reference to this, he has to include, uh, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not talking about, not talking about gay sex when I'm talking about getting blasted in the ass. It's just the metaphorical, proverbial ass blast that's happening. <laughs> so, it's, it's not good, really, because if you really break it down, it's like, okay, what are we joking about here? This is not. This is actually not cool, but it's just one of those things. The first shake shock value of it, it, it kind of tickles that, you know. I don't know. I, I talked about this with me and Soren talked about this during the CJDX episode. We talked about problematic content and how 
you know, I think that there's a place for it. And there's a place for, as Athena mentioned earlier, there's there can sometimes be art in problematic content. And I think going into it knowing that there be dragons here, and this is something that we should kind of tread carefully and avoid the minefield of emulation, that we can still we can still laugh at something that's not really I don't know. I don't know. What do y'all think? <laughs> I uh, I mean I get I I do I get into it more probably we'll get into it more later on talking about nature and comedy and the way that comedy works generally and how that relates to the challenges that they consistently face and fail to overcome. So I can get into that now if you want, or I can get into that later. It's going to be... Oh, it's... I mean, I'm just looking at my notes. I, I, you know, if we can seg into it or cut it and whatever. I I will say, I'm not going to have a lot to say by the play-by-play, because by the very nature of me not understanding this humor, it's very hard for me to understand the... any potential nuance here. Because for me, it's just all... bad. Like, I... And I'm not, like, I don't want to come after anyone, like, for the, I, okay, my deep dark secret, I have the box set of friends in the back room, so, look, I get it, I right? Mean, we all I like just... problematic stuff to some degree, it's just a matter, it's like, I feel like, I think that the thing is, like, this, so, one of the reasons that we didn't go in the gas crisis is because we were talking about the rape jokes, right? Like, we, the, the, the they talk Way about this rape thing. Way too many thing. of them. Yeah, it's a repeated thing. It's not a rape van, it's a spy van. They say that over and over again. And it's like, okay... Then the Islamophobia, and then the waterboarding. Yeah. Like, holy hell. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, they mentioned that they tried going door-to-door before in this episode, and it was the same gag. Like we, we mentioned before, they're rehashing the same it gag. It was much better in this one because... They just have, like, they go up to the door and, like, you don't know what kind of twisted shit they're going to do. And then they just break into, like, a barbershop trio. <laughs> right. And They actually sing and they sound good. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the lady's like, oh, good, you know, I'm happy to see you. And then, you know, gives them the money and they make the deal there. So, right. like, oh, that's... We haven't mentioned about the... Though I don't know if it's because we cut... Did we cut track? No. The big thing, I think, about this that's what we cover is the union and them trying to literally break up a union yes. basically yeah. one of the oldest in the uh, the city yeah and most uh, powerful in the city like largest ones it's a simple plan mac dennis charlie you rent a van you drive to rich people's homes you tell them that you'll pick up the trash for a fee then you take the trash to a dump in new jersey where there's no strike meanwhile I dress D up like a whore, get a city official, bribe him, and make him give us the contract undermining the trash unions. Any questions? Oh, yeah. yeah. Charlie. We've gone door-to-door in a van before, and that didn't work out for us. This is going to work, trust me. Mac. I feel like it's going to be hard to hang off the back of a van like the trash guys do. Can we just get a trash truck? No, you don't want to be caught scabbing. Get a van. Dennis. I don't want to be a trash man. I'll bribe the city official with you. I need a lady whore. D. Yeah, I've done the whore thing before. I don't care for it. I won't be doing it again. The whore thing worked. You just didn't listen to me. How many times have we done this kind of thing before? A lot. Well, we've done things. You know, we get stuff yeah, like this all the time. Yeah, what's your point? And how often do they work out? 
Well, come on. I it mean, doesn't always know, what, 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 How often almost should it work out? Almost That's never. because you don't listen to me. This time, we do it my way. Yeah, so the whole reason that they're going to this, this harebrained scheme to collect the trash is because the city garbage collectors are in a union that's, you know, according to the show, the most powerful union in the city. They are on strike because of their working conditions or what have you. So the gang, of course, decides to scab, but instead of actually scabbing, they're going to just be opportunistic, you know, and caps or what have you. They specifically call it out. They, they say that they're going to be scabbing because Frank's the one who comes up with the idea and tells them to do it. And he's like, you know, no, you're not going to drive anything like a truck around to do this because if the union guys see that you're scabbing, right. they'll kick your ass. <laughs> right. So. Which is probably the most base thing is yeah. the union reaction to the right. the scabbing, yeah. which is based and more of that, please. <laughs> or and also just don't scab, join the strike. Yep. Right. So Frank tries to get D to dress up like a whore so that they can bribe the politician, I guess, that's like in charge of this whole strike negotiation thing. And I'm like, that Frank is played by Danny DeVito, he's like the capitalist, right? Like, So he used to be a big yeah. businessman in the show, and now he wants to live mm. in squalor with the rest of the gang. So he still is rich. Like, He has a lot of money, and he has a lot of power and stuff in the city. He just doesn't swing it around anymore because he's bored, essentially. He wants to live like a like a filthy whatever, you know, which is why, he, you know, he moves in with Charlie and uses the toe knife and all that other nasty stuff. But, uh, so, so he's basically, he coaches them all the time. Plus he's like Dennis and Dee's dad, essentially. Yeah. And he's like, so he's, he's basically trying to teach them the ways. And the funny thing about it is that I think that's one of the most realistic parts of the show. This dude is like a businessman and he knows all this shady underhanded shit that when the average viewers watching this, they're like, oh, that's an exaggerated, you know, thing that doesn't really happen. No, that's pretty much what happens. Like... Like, every, the things that Frank says, like, they do an episode about getting into politics and, you know, all this other stuff. And it's, like, Frank gives these insights that are, like, pretty based insights, really. But he does it in a way that's, like, oh, if you want to get something done, you just go grease the palms of a politician. You you know, so so his part of this, of course, he's this season eight, so he's deep in depravity at this point. He tries to dress up his own daughter like a hooker, I guess, so that he can try to... <laughs> sway this politician person so they try to rehash the whole group dynamic thing the brains the muscle the looks the wild card or whatever and so they're recycling well no no wild card this time yeah they don't want the wild card charlie was the wild card in the first one because he cut the brakes on the van blew a fireball into max face (laughs) right yeah so they 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 try to to go to the politician with D, Frank and D try to go to the politician and they come up with this idea that they're going to dress up in tuxedos and haul their trash away in a windowless van and this is this again is just all indication from the showrunners of that this is a ridiculous ridiculous plot and it should not work and it's just clearly and brazenly reusing the old gags from the old show like from the, the first episode and uh, at some point when D is she's mentioning something about the the whole be dressing up as a whore idea is outdated. It's like an idea that's best left in the trash. It's like, yeah. it feels very much like a look at the camera and wink moment. Well, like, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> right. Just straight up, like, talking, speaking directly to the audience. So, I will say it's weird that, like, 
Frank's weird, like, male gazy stuff that he does to his own adopted sort of daughter. Kind Thank of. you for bringing that up. Oh my yeah. god! So, so it's. I, it, I will I, again. I I feel it feels like I'm defending the show and stuff. And the point is, you're not. You're supposed to think Frank's a creep and he's a terrible person for doing this, and won't be great right. when it backfires on him. Right. He's supposed to be like this. Is the same shit that we saw happen to Donald Trump. Essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. This is what Jordan Peterson. Yeah, like literally all of these same capitalist type of scumbags do this. Yeah. So Frank just, is the just straw give man me for the that. show with just the Donald Trump lookalike going through this. <laughs> it would make me happier. It, it, it's <laughs> very weird that they chose that they ch- that the show manages to do this with the characters as essentially the protagonists. That's what that's what makes it weird and what makes it I, I don't I want to call it art. I don't know. Well, but, I do. That's actually one of my criticisms of it, is because they're protagonists, there is some softening of them that does happen, Mm. because no one's going to want to watch them, like, be, like, pure evil assholes Mm. through eight seasons or how many other seasons there are. So there's there's a bit of a capitalistic aspect in it, but then because it's like, it also kind of defeats the purpose that we've talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you do need to soften them enough to be at least a little bit likable to some degree to some people, which then defeats the entire purpose of what, you know, your message that you're trying to get across. Yeah, it's like Charlie and the the Waitress. We talked about this in the chat earlier. He's an absolute manipulative psychopath to this waitress who is played by his actual wife in real life and he does all these horrible things stalking and coercing and lying deception things like that to her and still after several seasons you kind of like not not you me that I, I feel like i'm being standing for the average viewer in this so you know again pr- disclaimers and prefaces forever but i feel like the, the message here and is that you kind of want them to get together still like there's still like a will they won't they type of thing that happens and it somehow like well it's because they are the protagonists you right. know like there's this mentality thing that if someone like they're the hero mm-hmm. you know even if like we're an anti-hero or an anti-anti-anti-hero like they're therefore the underdogs right right and it does not matter how terrible a person is if they get pinned in our mind as the underdog, we're all underdogs, right. so therefore we want the underdog to succeed. Yeah. It's a very weird thing that we do. Mm-hmm. So it it creates that weird issue, yeah. I've noticed. I think your criticism is totally valid, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think that the fact that I like it and fall into it is sort of like an indication of the fact that maybe I'm, you know, falling not, I don't want to say falling prey necessarily but I'm I'm a, a I'm susceptible to the same sort of team think that th- this is literally the the essence of of cultural hegemony, you know we, we have a character who is the quote unquote good guy nothing about this character is good but because of the framing, we still want them to succeed at least a little bit, you know. But the show makes us want him to succeed in within the context of the narrative and not, like, by bettering themselves, right? So yeah. it, it's, it, it creates, like, a really weird 
thing where in order for the narrative to to resolve in a satisfying way you know he has to get with the girl even though the pretense for that is even though he should deception yeah he shouldn't he, by by no yeah. means he should not they should not end up together he, yeah. the growth would happen by that not occurring yeah <laughs> so that's a very interesting point i think that i could i don't know it's interesting to ha- like kind of how analytical I feel like I have to be about it to arrive at something that just sort of like you naturally experience it that way. You know. Well, it helps if you naturally don't like it. Well. <laughs> so you know, it it does. I I do have a very objective view, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm bringing to the table here. So that's just kind of the thing. Or otherwise, I probably would have just sat out. But I I thought like in that regard, I could bring that so it definitely has an interesting it begs a lot of very interesting questions about our psychology though you know and, I, and it's like if, if you if you're to describe the show to the average person and just use just use the just the plot beats you know like i think a lot of it would sound really funny but i think a lot of it would just sound really bad and depraved and like what is this show again? Like I yeah. think people would be like, huh? A lot of it has to do with the delivery of the lines, the way that they cut each other off, like the frustration of the dialogue and stuff like that. Like I think that's where a lot of, they rely on that a lot in the humor, the tone of voice, the anger and the frustration that they experience when they're arguing with each other is something that's very real to us. Like we we get the same sort of upset when somebody you're trying to argue with somebody and they're just not hearing it. You know, or you're trying to explain something to somebody and they're just not getting it and they don't want to get it. They don't care if they have their position. And they they explore that a lot in the show and I think that's part of where the humor comes from. And see, and for me, it just makes me go into like, I don't... Right. Because it... Oh, I I actually, I made this, this point when I was like talking out loud to Coco the other day. It's like, this show and shows like it that are very like in your face and aggressive, Mm -hmm. it can trigger your fight and flight response and for me it is okay i need to get as far away from this as possible right no i understand i feel that you know like i i think i probably get some of that with some of the anime shows that we've watched i know that Mm -hmm. like overlord's a terrible i get that with overlord too (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean there's definitely it happens to me i mean i watched a one punch man a while back and I, I'm not into anime at all, but like, there's some ways that some of the characters are drawn that are like, I don't think that it's meant to invoke like a horror, a horror feeling. Like it's not supposed to do that. I don't think, but it does to me. Mm-hmm. And so, to that note, like I, I feel sort of, I, I guess, my empathy to you as to how this weird, this sort of content would make you feel that. I feel that way too, and it's just about like just the way something's drawn or the way a character looks or something like that. So I definitely feel that it's very, it's very difficult to overcome for sure. Yeah, and th- this is something I've experienced a lot. So like, I don't want you know, I've spent my life a lot of part of my life like g- like why is everyone liking this thing or mm. disliking this thing if I like it or dislike it or whatever? Yeah. Like why am I always at the opposite? And it's like oh I'm literally wired different Mm -hmm. so it it doesn't bother me as much anymore but i want people to understand that i'm not this anything that i have here isn't coming from a place of judgment i'm just i'm doing my best to be analytical like criticism here 
Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I, I do have to apologize to you two who have had to deal with my gut reactions to the show <laughs> when I first watched <laughs> through it. Because well, that was just my immediate gut reaction. Yeah, it's all good. I think we're all, we're all on the same page here at this point. Yeah. So they bring up an old character from, you know, because of course they do. It's an old, old gag. The politician is like a somebody that they used to they he was a he was a corporate guy who was trying to a real estate guy who had been trying to buy patty's bar right and it it was revealed earlier on that he was gay Mm -hmm. and so they tried to lean into that as an angle so so how does this place tickle your fancy why are we here because you are a power bottom he's a what a power bottom I'm not having this conversation. What do you want? We can pick up the trash for half the price of the union. We want the city contract. Look, there's no way you're going to undermine one of the biggest unions in the city. Moreover, both sides are incredibly close to an agreement. Well, you see anything you like here? Maybe we can hook it up and change your mind. May I please leave? I don't get it. We take you to a titty bar and you say no to us. We bring you to this place with all these juicy dongs and you shut us down. What team are you playing for? They they took him to a, a strip club. I don't know if... Did they do that in this episode, or was it in a previous one? It was this one. But they, they took him to, like, a strip club with Yeah, in the previous episode, stage. they took him to a strip club with girls on the stage. And this one, they took yeah, him to... Yeah, and that was, I think, when it was revealed that he was yeah. gay. And then... So in this oh, episode... Oh, they referenced that. Yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought that they said that they had done that, like, before the shot. And yeah. then they... Okay. Yeah, it was a yet again. This thing was chock full of references, so you know. So then they. Can I make a sad point though? What's that? This is this is related, not related. But so right before this, they get into a weird clothing tearing match. Danny DeVito's character yeah. and the girl, mm-hmm. and Danny DeVito's uh, like clothes ends up getting ripped off, and he turns to the gay guys like, "Oh, you like what you see?" Yeah. This isn't the first time. Danny DeVito's body's been played off for laughs, and I just find that sad. Well, he does it himself for the most part, for sure. But I, I know I agree. But... I agree with you, though. He has he has a body type that is unusual in Hollywood, and they do a whole lot of stuff with Danny DeVito being naked because, haha, uh, like I, short I, fat I believe... man funny, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah, because like I believe it's him. Yeah. Um there's an speaking of friends, there's an entire episode near the end where he is a stripper. Yeah, right. And I that's that that's the joke. Yeah. He I mean he he loves doing that and and more power to him, you know. And Yeah, that's fair. And I, and I I, I think that I I see where you're coming from and it, it it is it is again, it's just, it's it, it is problematic. Like it is fine to say that. Like we just even though that we all participate in our own like problematic things right like because we as a society this is the reason why we're doing this show we haven't all collectively like and we never will really at law arrive i don't think at what is you know acceptable and and politically correct and move forward from that like it's always going to be in flux right so yeah there's probably people that look like danny devito somewhere watching this and are disappointed that we're all laughing at danny devito's naked butt because he's because that person's probably like well I guess I my body type is just something to to be laughed at, you know, and that's sad. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, too, you know, you, you don't see that sort of representation in Hollywood very much. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. there's there's <laughs> it's possible 
that there's, you know, it's also possible that there's somebody looking at it who, you know, has that same body type and then is inspired to see that someone has the confidence to do that. And so they... Hmm. Right. Yeah. That's fair. So, I mean, it can go it can go either way, and it's up to the individual a lot of the time. Right. But, of course, we've also, you know, sort of lampooned some of these works of media for leaving it up to the individual yeah. and not taking a stand on something. So I feel like this one is probably benign enough that we could that we could say like, you know, if you if you feel disappointed by it, I understand. If you feel empowered by it, I understand. That's great. Like I think that it's great if you do and if you don't, I, I, I feel you and I'm sorry that you had to experience it. And I think that's okay. Like we can I think sometimes it's 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 fine to land in these ambiguous areas where we're just not sure. And I think, like, when we had uh, Feek the Signifier on here, he said this about some parts of the Avatar episode, that that's what makes good art. When, you can't, when you're just not really mm-hmm. sure how it makes you feel. I'm not sure if I should be outraged by that, upset by that, empowered, laugh at it. If I'm not sure about that, that's, in my opinion, is good art. Because it's like, okay, huh? You know? And so, I don't know. But, so, <laughs> so he goes in, they're, they're in a, they're in a, uh, a gay strip club now. And they're, they take this politician there because, of course, the jerk-assness of Frank is, hey, I'm taking, he, he didn't like the, he didn't like the titty bar, so I'm taking him to the banana hammock club. And he doesn't like either one of them. So what gives? You know, I thought I thought this dude was I thought this dude was into dudes. And so he, there's all these homophobic jokes. They're like talking about twink, twunk, twank, and like I think the showrunners are trying to like think that they're kind of being hit by sort of like normalizing these subsections of queer culture. But it's like the way that they talk about it. I had to look up, and I'm still not sure. If this shit's made up or not, like, cause some of it, like <laughs> right. the otter and bear stuff in yeah, Twink, I know that's real. Yeah. Right. I looked up Twunk and Twank, and all of I can find multiple references to them, but all of those references to them are from within the uh, last, like, since this came out, cause it yeah. came out a while back. Yeah, so I think it was a double gag. Like, they were trying to say he started as a twink and then was trying to go to a, a tank, and he was like, twink, twunk, twink. So he's just trying to make up, like, a transitional state or whatever and, disc- and, and assign yeah, characters and she also, to And then she so. talks about how, like, he's a yestergay who was filled yeah. with self-loathing because he was a twink, which is a twink and a skank. And so he tried to go yeah. through therapy to not be gay anymore. And then that's the point where he jumps in like, no, I'm still gay. I just don't want to be here. Right, right. Which it's kind of funny because, like, I thought that this was probably, like, really the most cringe part of the episode because it's like, okay, all right, you know, we get it. But then the character turns around and is like, no, I'm, I'm still gay. I just don't. That I just don't want you to assume that this is what I'm into. Oh, and then, well, like, he's like, nope, still here, still gay. And then Frank's like, what are you still doing here? And he's like, you have a gun on me. <laughs> right. So he's, like, literally holding yeah. him up. With a, so it's revealed that he that Frank is pointing a gun as him. Like, he, he does that a lot in the show. You've probably seen the, so anyways, I started blasting meme. Mm, that's Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
I will say this show makes great memes. Oh yeah, yeah it's there's it's ripe for meme fodder. That's for sure. So that's been sort of the B plot exploration. The A plot is uh, Mac and Charlie and and Dennis are they're actually doing gangbusters with this whole trash pickup idea. So they've got this van. They're going door to door and touching. No, it's a limousine. Oh yeah, the limousine. <laughs> that's right. They couldn't get. Yep, because they wanted to. They have tuxedos oh, on and the limousine because they want to be sure that they look classy. <laughs> right. Oh, it's so, it's funny, man. It's fun. <laughs> Picking up trash in a and it's also they also have the problem that part. Because they I, they had a van fine. and they were trying to get a van and then Mac was like, I can't hang on to this, and so then they got the limousine and the weird like curving v-shaped fin that they have in the back of limousines <laughs> he's hanging on to that right. the whole time the, like a reverse hood uh-huh. ornament thing that's on the back like the fin <laughs> but right. why is he hanging off of it because he's a garbage place? man they hang off on it because he's a garbage but, man he's trying but to you hang only you only do that because that way you don't have to get in and out of the vehicle but that's charlie's but they mind, have to like... get in and out anyway because they have to go to the but that's the thing. Like in Charlie's mind, the only reason that he wants to do this whole garbage thing is because it's so he can hang off of the back of the truck. Like that's how this started. He's like, "How am I gonna? This is a necess- This is necessary. I have to be able to hang off the back of the oh, truck." Oh, was that Charlie? Mm. Yeah, it's Charlie's idea. Like, no, that was that was Mac. Mac, was, Mac was the, the one hanging off. Okay. The back, yes. Oh my bad. I, I got it. Mixed Every up. these three guys look like the same guy in different level of kempt of beard and hairstyle. I'm sorry. I guess. Though I, I do, I do also have face facial blindness to some degree, so that might also be playing. Mac and Charlie look a lot <laughs> like each other. Dennis doesn't like. If look they were like all him. next to each other, it was fine. But if it was like any quick camera angles, I'm like, which which one was right. that? I don't know. I've watched the show so long that and so many times over, I couldn't. I don't think I could mistake them. But they. But I could see how somebody coming from the outside could could make the mistake. You're right. It was Mac. I. I yeah. Totally forgot about that, but yeah, yeah. So they're they're, they're actually doing gangbusters. The, th- the thing's great. They're they're picking up tons of trash. They're making tons of money. Everybody's happy to have this because the reason that this is piling up is because of the strike and yeah. so on. Now they're and it's like a musical number thing too. And then the other is like, oh, how great is this? And then they reveal to each other that they hate it because they're they're covered in garbage now and right. they've got this limousine right. that's full of garbage. And then they're like, okay, well, let's go back to our idea of selling gas out of a van (laughs) and then they were going to go like frank had arranged for them to dump the trash off at a dump in new jersey and then they're like well we don't want to go all the way out to new jersey let's just throw it out in a poor neighborhood yeah because they don't mind living in their own filth he said which is this is the type of oh my god i blocked that out this is the thing that i mean yes it's it's obviously terrible, but it's obviously terrible. Like the gang you routinely says stuff like this that's straw manning a stank take for us to make fun of and root for their failure, like we talked about earlier. Because this is the point. This is a formula, right? The episode follows a formula, just like all of them do. It looks like it might almost work, whatever plot it and is. And then they fuck it up. Then they fuck it up somehow. And, and usually, right before they fuck it up, the characters do something. And say something that's just really horrible, that's just like not something that you would identify with or ever say, or it's something that you know is a bad thing to say. And it's sort of like, 
helps you to root for their failure yeah. a little bit. You're like, okay, good. They deserve to they deserve to lose, but for saying all this terrible shit about dumping trash in poor neighborhoods, yeah. they, you know, it's it's part of the. And formula. this is a good time to talk about like drama and comedy because the way that comedy works is we t- we la- one of the things that will make people uh, people laugh generally is the misfortune of others in some way to some extent. Like for example, in Bob's Burgers, in the Bob's Burgers episode we did, we laughed when the workers were mistreated by management, but we laughed because it's something that we understand and we know what you know it's like to be mistreated by management. You know, mm-hmm. but there was pain going on there that was part of what we were laughing about. And in the in the movie Turning Red, it's really funny when May gets busted by her mother for drawing a picture of a boy that she thinks is cute. Mm-hmm. But, and when she gets like dragged into the place where he works and it it's just a, you know, mortifying scene. It's equal parts horrifying for us to see it because we can emphasize us being in that place, but it's also hilarious because we can recognize how awkward and entertaining it would be if we were like right. one of the random people in the store watching this. So, mm. so that's how a comedy works. It works in almost all comedy that I can think of works on some level in that regard or in that, that respect. Drama is characters that you usually will identify with who face challenges and then overcome those challenges. And one of the problems with like a serialized drama show is that you can never finish facing challenges. You always have to face more challenges or else it stops being interesting. You know, you're not going to have a drama where this is the season where everything goes right and it all just goes totally normally. Like, no, right. that would no one would watch that. The interesting, the interesting thing for us in drama is that there are challenges faced and overcome, but they have to keep being faced and keep being overcome, and uh, that makes it hard to watch a drama where you identify an awful lot with the people in it. Like I can't, and I've probably talked about this before. I can't. I had to stop hmm. watching Shameless. Shameless is the show where I was like, okay, I recognize that there's good stuff going on here. And it's funny a lot of the times, but I cannot get comfortable in this show. Because Uh, after, like, the first couple of seasons I watched, and it was great watching them come up to these challenges and overcome them. But every time, they had another challenge to face. It never stopped. There was always some new crisis that would come along just as soon as they were getting everything right and everything was lined right. up and yeah. they'd done all the right things. Something was going to come out of left field. You know, the thing that you never planned for that shows up and just wrecks everything for you. It's like, could we get a break from this, please? Can we shift? To, can we go to another character for just a little while before this stuff kicks up? Exactly. I, I get that. And so the alternative to that is the show Succession. And I'm sure I've talked about this too, where they're all rich assholes and it's a drama they're all facing challenges but they can never succeed fully in the challenges that they face they can never just win the game basically right so it's the same principle as the story structures in shameless but because they're such fucking assholes because it makes clear (laughs) textually that they're terrible people. All of them are terrible people. All of them. 
And because of that, it's not uncomfortable to watch. I don't identify with them. Yeah. I don't feel like you feel a little bit of like human empathy for them, but then they'll remind you that they're terrible and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. whatever. Whatever, yeah. Anyway, that's a good point. That's a good point. In Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you have a comedy where it's misfortune happening again and again and again, but by making the characters so detestable, it makes it yeah for for you know it's comedy is subjective to the individual. It's not this way for everybody, but it makes it at times a more comfortable show to watch because you know that when something bad happens to them, they deserve it, and when they do something that's bad, then you know that they. You know, if they do something that's bad, you know that they're going to have it come back around in some way. Right. So, it's a it's very Steinbeck tortilla flat. I don't know if y'all ever read that book before, but it's it's uh the it's essentially the same formula. It's about these people that live in a in a rundown shack in Monterey, and they're just terrible people to each other. And like that, but they're poor, and they're sort of happy being poor and trodden down because they're terrible I, it's weird it, it, it's weird it doesn't seem like it would make for good reading but it's actually fantastic and it's 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 great in the same reason that i that for the same reasons that i like always sunny and the same reason yeah. that you mentioned i think it, it's comfortable in watching the repeated failure because of how terrible yeah. they are but again that's it's a very very subjective thing so I am not at all surprised that anybody else wouldn't like this. My wife can't stand this show because she absolutely hates awkward humor because when she sees awkward humor Yes, yep. I also have Because when she sees awkward too. humor, she absolutely hates being awkward. She absolutely hates being in like an uncomfortable mm -hmm. social situation. Hates it. And so she cannot relax and enjoy a awkward comedy because there's too much empathy there for the characters and she sees you know yeah. she feels that awkwardness watching them and just can it she can't stand it it's uncomfortable so. i get that yeah like when i watch awkward and cringe humor you i all of a sudden like i'll be sitting in a chair and suddenly i'm on the floor because i just keep <laughs> sliding down in my chair and <laughs> Well, earlier I mentioned that I thought it was the most cringe part of the episode, and I yep. totally forgot about it. I was, I, yeah, didn't, I, I was thinking <laughs> it. I didn't say it, but I was thinking uh, it. Because, yeah, I totally forgot about the end of this episode that we need to talk about the, the entire country joining oh, hands boy. and cringing this one uh, together. Pop, pop whatever drink you got now. Yeah, yeah go ahead and crack one open. I'm going to take a swig Unless here. you're driving, don't do that then. Mm. Unless yeah, it's don't water. Don't drink drive, folks. Uh, the union contract appears to be working towards being back on, presumably. It's been. The yeah. negotiations have been successful. Yeah, the politician probably had a worse time dealing with these yahoos than the trouble that the strike was causing, so I'm sure yeah. that was probably, they, they probably helped fast-track the deal, even though yeah. they were trying not to. D, uh, in an attempt to stop this, is a last-minute effort, does. Oh, here, for, before she does, before she comes in. Your contract is being finalized as we speak. Now, of course, we had to make a few compromises. What kind of compromises? Um, well, there were certain issues that we had to deal with. Issues? Certain? Give me that. Brothers, 
I don't know about you, but I can't understand this college boy's language. Am I right? We gotta have it in plain English. Okay, sir, I was just getting to that. He was just getting to that. He's trying to confuse us with his fancy language and his expensive podiums. But we know the truth. Frank's like, oh, let's hear about this deal. And then he's like, he's trying to undermine and sabotage the process. Right. And then she comes in when he starts faltering. Yes. Dressed as a classic character in brown face, yep. Maria Martinez. Uh, Martina, Martina Martinez. Martina Martinez, yeah. Hey, he stands it's me, Martina Martinez. These white boys is crazy, right? You was about to get screwed by y'all city and y'all union as well. Okay. Yeah, because she was... She'd always she'd wanted to be an actor, and this was a bigger thing uh, earlier on in the earlier seasons. Um, so, as like a shitty actress trope, she was she made a whole bunch of like stereotypical characters right. to show her range as an actress. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and at one point, yeah. it just oh goes god. through the whole litany of them. Yeah, and so yeah. This was one of those. Yeah, this show, this episode was actually removed from many platforms for this reason, uh, along with the yeah. Lethal Weapon series, where Mac, Rob McElhinney did blackface. And the gang, the real gang, not the show gang, the actual gang, the people, uh, the showrunners and actors, they, they sort of doubled and tripled down on a really bad position uh, regarding blackface for a while. But... They did, eventually, after some outrage and, and some cancellation and so on and so forth, they mm. did apologize and they did address it and they they removed they removed the, the the blackface shows and then they actually wrote an episode. Well, they didn't write the episode. They actually if, if they co-wrote it with a a black lady named what was it what was her name Kiana Kiana Taylor I think was the writer name but they. They actually wrote an entire episode just to address the whole blackface thing. So they made the Lethal Weapon 7 episode, which was essentially, it was their whole, you know, book of psalms about how they screwed up in the past and have screwed up a lot and, you know, are sort of begging for forgiveness from the audience. So, And, you know, I thought that was cool that they did that. Like, it sucked that they that they did blackface for so long, and it sucked that they did... They took such a bad position on it, and they doubled down after a lot of people called called them out for it. So, they they definitely deserve accountability. But just kind of like the show, the accountability that they got was, in my opinion, not proportional to the crime that was committed. <laughs> so yeah, the the black actors playing the union strikers did not get paid enough. Whatever they got paid, <laughs> they they needed like times five to get yeah. anywhere near, and even then, it probably wasn't enough. But uh, I also want to... I think I it's in the new Hedgepodge... I've been adding movies to our Twitter feed mm. of like, hey, these are some uh, movies. YouTube videos you should check out. Yeah. Uh, one of them, and I'll, we'll put it in the show notes here, is Khadija went over the history of blackface. Mm. So I would recommend that video. Yeah, I, I wish we could have had a guest speaker that could speak more to this topic than than we could but uh you know maybe we can get some comments or something to and talk about maybe a follow-up episode or something well uh, this is what i can say as a white person I, I hope you're ready 
Don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it. <laughs> just, just don't stop. do it. Yeah. You, you did not, like, even this gag, like, even, just, I, I am going to be firm that you didn't need that joke here, no. even and, for everything else. And I think that was the thing. Like, they, they, they were like, well, we're doing it to show how ridiculous it is. We're doing blackface so that we could show how, you know, that it's, that when people do this, this is how dumb they look and all this stuff. And that's all, it's not well and good because you, you're still not involving there, there's a whole if you want to know something about blackface that Khadija has a great episode Feek has a great episode Four Men does a great episode like there's so many black content creators that have talked at great length about blackface and the problems that go along with it and they do they such don't need a, your white ass talking about it they don't need any of us talking about it they don't need them talking about it they don't need anybody doing it so yeah we, we'll put some I'll find some uh, we'll, link, we'll put some links in the description on that too and, and try to uh, get them some proper uh, traffic push that way, you know, so... Because they, they do a lot better job of explaining it. This is kind of my criticism, too, of shock humor to a certain degree. Mm. Because where... I'm sure it, it, it has a place, but I feel it's very easy to fall into yeah. this trap of, hey, it's just a joke. This is where so, it always ends. Yeah. Here. <laughs> at this you know, point. so if... There, because you always kind of have to up the ante with shock yeah, humor. You do. you do. So if you, yeah. it's here's the thing: shock humor is the jump scare of humor. <laughs> yeah. And jump scares have a place. That's that's a hot, my hot take is yeah. their whole point is to like relieve tension and kind of like ease you back into the thing you're watching. Right. I don't know. I'm not as familiar with humor theory, so I don't know what shock humor's role is but I'm sure it has a similar type of role but if you just rely upon it you're going to fall into some bad pitfalls is is my criticism here so according to Frank D incites a race war there's a whole riot everybody's fighting each other and they the all of the striking workers because what happens is they see the the guys in tuxedos dumping their trash off Mm -hmm. and So buy our classy gasoline. We gotta go get them. Let's go get those guys. Let's get them. 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 them. Let's racism on the show's part is like... Oh, look how easily you can control and manipulate these people. And how easy you can fool black men into thinking this is a black woman. No, no, they weren't fooled. It's just when they saw, like, they make it... This is the bigger problem. I I mean, they were cheering along with her and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No, once they see that... The trash is actually getting dropped off in their well, yeah, neighborhood. Well, yeah, she right she thing. encourages them yeah. that way too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Like they they yeah. don't they don't immediately recognize that this is a woman in brown face. They just they they. they I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't. You might be onto something there. Like I'm, something. I won't go too much into it, but it it definitely felt bad. Yeah, <laughs> the mouth oh, feel yeah. was not good. <laughs> well, there's a, that's a they removed the episode. Yeah, we 
yeah. we're 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 uh, sampling the forbidden, you know. Whatever. Yeah, I had to go to like a touring site to find. Yeah, it. All right, all right. But when did they remove it? It was during twenty twenty, like wasn't last it? Last year. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was exactly like when. Yeah. No, 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 not last year. Twenty twenty oh, was two years ago. Oh God. Yeah, because that was part of the whole like. Oh, mm-hmm. we we get what you're yeah. saying. So right. instead of abolishing the police, or hell, even right. just defunding the police, we're just we're gonna fix the media. Right. Right. That's right. good, right? That'll yep. solve it. That was that was it. That was it for sure. So they were they're working together for a team for once in the whole series. Everything looks like it was going great, and because uh, they they go back to they they're escaping and. Uh, Charlie cuts the brakes again because he's a wild card. Because he's the wild card. Yeah, but it was all they. He throws himself off the, out the back of the. the yep. Yeah. Out and the back of the fan, and they all act like they're freaking out. Uh, but yeah. because everything's been recycled, right. Mac knew that he was going to cut the brakes, and so then he went and fixed the brakes after the brakes were cut. Right. And they were all actually fine. And then we see that the strike is over, and they pull up yep. to pick up the trash and. The garbage collectors are picking it up. Yep, Darn as it. it should be. Yep, end of the show. <laughs> the show always ends abruptly. Wow, what a journey! Thank you all for 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 entertaining this one. A lot of stuff in here. Very dense. We talked about the very essence of comedy and drama. <laughs> we talked about how you can sometimes like problematic or dislike problematic things. Sometimes the the, the ships fall on different sides depending on. Who you are and what your mileage is. Final thoughts. It it exists. <laughs> it does, in fact, exist. I mean, I think that we exhausted it pretty well. Like, if it's the kind of humor that you like, you will really enjoy it. Right. That's probably the most diplomatic thing to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And from a and, and from a, a hegemony perspective, the ruling class element of this, this is what I I felt like we were really missing from this episode when we were breaking it down. I know we bumped it a little bit, but I think that the biggest parts of the the worldview here that are going to be missed is aside from the fact that there's going to be people that are going to emulate this behavior, even though we see it every time. There's people that want to be Walter White. There's people that want to be Michael Douglas's character in Falling Down. There's people that want to be whatever, you know, T2000 and Terminator. I don't know. <laughs> there's people that want that. There's there's always going to be somebody that is going to try to emulate the obvious bad guy. So there's that. Um, the other thing is just kind of the normalization of some of this terrible like content for humor. I mean, yeah, this is probably the first time. That I've ever did a, done done one of these shows that I've actually said the word rape out loud like fifteen times, and the fact that that's just not something that we are, and and I mean, I, I think that it's something that that word should m- retain its power so that mm-hmm. the people that experience it understand this. I mean, the people that don't experience it understand the severity, and don't try to minimize the the victims. But I I think that. We probably need to take a look uh, of self-reflection into, you know, what we're using for humor fodder. Even if it's supposed to be shock humor, you know, what have you. Yeah, I think that there's there's definitely been some normalization of humor that probably shouldn't have been normalized as a result of Always Sunny's uh, run. And yeah. Including blackface, <laughs> you know. that's that's uh, they, they contributed to that, I think. 
And, you know, I, I think that it's it's one of those things where whether you like problematic content or not, it still will pay in the long run to understand that it's problematic, you know. And I, I'm not saying that you have to sit and analyze every single thing that you watch because as we've done in this show, I've always I heard... I don't have a choice anymore. It just <laughs> happens. Ex- like, Expl- explaining uh, jokes is like dissecting a frog. You know, you you get to see the inside of it, but the joke has to die. And I feel like that we've we've done that at length with a lot of the content that we've watched here. And there's there's really nothing nothing wrong with doing that every once in a while if you need to. All right, let's take a look at what we've got to call out here. Oh, Shout there's so outs. much good news. There's so much fucking good news speaking this of, year, this speaking week, of this strikes. month. Yeah, speaking of strikes, Athena, do you want to give us the rollout, the, let the credits roll of all the <gasps> cool strikes that are happening? Okay, so... Whew. Okay, so just like today, there was like this news that uh, Big Lots is trying to unionize and like mm-hmm. their account got blown up in two, mm-hmm. like three days. Now they're like sharing like an Ikea thing. Um, you know, so still early, early, early stages on that, but still. Um, let's see. I didn't click where that... There's some educators going on strike. I need to click on that to get the details. Probably the big news is Trader Joe's mm. is unionizing. Uh, star- there you are. Starbucks unionizing. Another, uh, yeah, there's the Big Lots Union. Educators on strike. We've got... Yeah, uh, Massachusetts. Trader Joe, Joe workers in Massachusetts are organizing. Mm-hmm. And Target in Virginia, I believe, are working on unionizing. Uh, they're facing some union busters, uh, mm-hmm. but... They're they're working on it. Like it, they are. We are coming at it on all fronts now. Yeah, the union, the workers' movement is taking big strides forward right now. Uh, the unions make a strong. If you are in talks with the union, keep them going. Don't let them break you down. We don't need corporate executives. They need us to function. Period. Yep. That's it. Do not be swayed. If you they they they'll bring out whatever tactics. To try and scare you out of doing this, they will. They will stop at nothing. So, if you hear your coworkers complain at work about work, it might be time to talk to them about the union. Yeah, yeah. Nurses are also striking. Yeah. Keep it up. That's you have our backs, uh, sol- or we have your backs. <laughs> really, both. <laughs> and, and, I mean, and you have our backs. We have each other's backs. Yeah. And sure. we shared this. We shared the. Oh yeah, the three Apple stores are launching Union Drives. Mm. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> um, if you want more Union news, we share this on our Twitter at H E G E P O D on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think that's correct. Um, you think I would know better at this point, but. Yeah, so if you want our meme content and a bunch of union news, we share what we get. You got union news, share send it our way and we will share it. Also, also our Discord yeah. server is open. The link is open for all and it is in our Twitter bio as well as a few other places. I think it's on Anchor in some of our descriptions. We'll make sure to get it everywhere it's visible. Come hang out with us. We chat in there regularly and share spicy memes and pictures of our projects and food and stuff like that too as well as all of this strike details that we're reading um Athena does a great job keeping the content up so come hang out with us patreon.com slash hedgepod hit us up and we'll say your name on yeah. things 
Yeah, we'll, we'll figure Speaking that out. Speaking of which, we have our first uh, Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Michelle. We Wait, do. Wait, what? Yes. yes. Yeah. What? This is where I Words. How do they work? Yeah. We have our first Patreon subscriber. So we're going to work on some exclusive content for Michelle. <laughs> so thank you. Thank Hopefully you. So. Holy shit. You shocked me, obviously. <laughs> all right. And with that, we will catch you all the next time. Bye. Bye. Give me money. Money me. Money now. Me a money needing a lot now. That was Charlie's line. Yeah. <laughs>